Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. This is episode 112, 113, or 114. It'll be right when I post it. Today, I want to talk to you about the pastor and mastery of emotions. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Give us wisdom and direction as we're talking about desire, emotions, emotional life, things that are difficult to talk about and I think a necessary thing to talk about. And so help me to speak clearly and accurately according to your word and help me to be a help to men that may be even struggling right now. God, I pray that you would would help us and uh, lead us and I pray that we'd be healthy men, healthy pastors who know how to lead our people well and know how to master our emotions. God help us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay, hope you're having a great morning. What I want to do this morning is read a post of mine from Facebook last week, and there was kind of some confusion about it, but I wanted to go ahead and read it and then make some clarifying points, and I want to clarify what I wasn't saying. I want to clarify what I identify as a problem, and then I want to clearly say what I am saying, and then I want to give some examples in David, Paul, and Jesus about what I'm talking about. Okay, first, let's start with the post. Here's what I said. Men need to rediscover the masculine virtue of burying feelings. There is a time and a place for that. The masculine virtue of burying feelings. All right. So there was a back and forth about what did I mean and what I didn't mean with that post. I want to make some clarifying comments today and hopefully help you out because I think it is very important. And I think I am putting my finger on an issue that others have put their finger on as well. But hopefully I can bring some clarity to some some real issues and then hopefully we can walk in obedience as Christian men and as pastors. Okay. So first, what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is that depression or anxiety or any sort of emotional feelings that are bad or harmful aren't there. That there's just no feelings whatsoever. What I'm not calling us to be as hardline stoics that just barely bury and suppress reality all around us and you don't deal with our emotional life. I'm not talking about the suppressing of emotional life as if there is no such thing as emotions, that God doesn't give emotions or something like that. So what I'm not saying when I use the word bury is that we should just act like nothing is going on inside of us and just do our duty. There is, however, what we'll see here in just a little bit, great honor in doing our duty and just doing what needs to be done. I'm not talking about suppressing all desire, okay? So let me identify more specifically what I see as a problem. Going back what I think is a clear line back to the second great awakening, we have valued as a society, starting within the church, feelings over truth, emotion over reality. And so we have leaned into what we've called authenticity. And I think that this is seen throughout our society, just permeating every square inch of our society. And really what we could put our finger on is a feminized culture, a feminized society. Now, femininity is something that's beautiful and wonderful. We love women. We believe in femininity. We despise feminism, and so should you. But we love femininity, and we love women. But when men act like women, or when a society gets permeated with this idea of wearing our emotions on our sleeve, or being driven by our emotional life, that turns really good men into either effeminate men, or a society into an effeminate society, to where it becomes just a complete norm to wear your feelings on your sleeve, and to live your life based on your emotional life. And what I think happens is it makes us society ill-equipped to deal with what's going on on the inside. 
I think that's seen, for instance, in pastoral life, where the norm, pastors, you know this is true, if you go to a pastor conference, every pastor out there, and I'm going to get some things here, and so if you're a pastor and you're dealing with, you know, your emotional life regularly, which is really all men, all pastors, but if you're dealing with wanting to express your emotions all the time, okay, just hang with me for a minute, okay? Um, What we see is the norm, I see, in growing popularity, pastors complaining more and pastors in burnout more. I see pastors regularly just running like chickens with their head cut off. And what I don't see is the status quo of joyful, healthy, rejoicing, just happy pastors. Okay, now when you say happy, okay, that's emotion. But what I mean is, what's popular is for pastors to be authentic, wear their emotions on their sleeve, and what's expected is that they're going to complain about whatever's going on. Now, there's times, there's times that you have to have somebody to dump on. You have to have a peer to come alongside. You have to have a spouse. You have to have somebody where you're able to just, you know, quote unquote, vent. But I don't think complaining and burnout should be the expected norm for pastors when we get together. I think the norm should be joy, health, rejoicing, those sorts of things. Okay, let's turn the corner a little bit. I think there's something admirable about the greatest generation men. Now, I've talked a lot about, I did a series a couple years ago on baby boomer men. It was like a two-part series on why are so many baby boomers, not all baby boomers clearly, but why are so many such bad men? And that is true. I stand by that statement. There's a lot of men who were not loved well by their dads. And that that generation of dads, that baby boomer dads, were men who knew how to work. They knew how to put their head down and get done whatever needed to get done, but they did not know how to love well. They didn't know how to hug their sons. They didn't know how to say, I'm proud of you. They didn't know how to say, I love you, daughter. Those are things that I'm not calling for whatsoever. But there is something to admire in a group of men who went through the Great War, they went through the Great Depression, and they went through World War II. This group of men had to put their nose to the ground and do what needed to be done. They had to compartmentalize. They had to see their friends get blown up in front of them and continue with the mission. They had to suppress or they had to bury the emotions that they're feeling in this moment to do what needs to be done. Now, some of those men never dealt with those things. They never took them to the Lord for the Lord to help them through that. They never talked to a friend or a pastor. If you see a friend that gets blown up in front of you or you go through the things that those men went through, it's good to be able to pray through and talk with somebody. It's a peer, a pastor, a friend, somebody that can help you with that. But they had to get things done. I think there's something admirable in that, if we can avoid the mistakes that they made. Now, let us consider David, Paul, and Jesus. And I think there'll be more clarity to what I'm talking about here. Uh, David, in the Psalms, shows us a full array of emotions. We see him very, very happy. We see him in Psalm 42, where he is very depressed and he's having to preach truth to himself. And Psalm 42, I think, provides a really good template for what I'm talking about, where you tell yourself the truth, but you tell yourself what is actually true in the midst of your pain, emotional despair. Or we think about what he did with Goliath, or we think about what David did when he was young, slaying lions and bears. What David had to do was face a fear and pick up a stone and a sling. He didn't tweet about it. He didn't Facebook message about it. He didn't talk about how afraid he was of this giant in front of him. He walked with faith knowing that God was going to help him slay this dragon. He did what needed to be done. So I think David is a good example of what I'm talking about here. He's not a man who suppressed his emotions. He was a man who eventually was masterful over his emotional life. We see with him and Bathsheba that he made some massive errors. And he was a man in process. But he was a man learning to master his emotional life. 
And he had seasons of his life where he was better at that, seasons of his life that he was worse than that. Now, let's flip to the New Testament and let's think about the Apostle Paul. And I want you to think about 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and what Paul had to go through in his life and what he had to face, what he had to deal with in a day-in, day-out existence. Here's what he said, starting in verse 21b. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman, with far greater death, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardships, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food and exposure. And apart from these other things, there is daily exposure of me of anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? Who is made to fall? Am I not ignorant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weaknesses. Now, Paul was floating a day at sea. In that moment, I wonder what he was thinking. Like, I mean, was there tears? Was he thinking, my gosh, this is terrible. I don't know what exactly he was thinking, but I know that he was still on mission. I know he had to do something with those emotions to keep going through all these things. He said at one point he was danger from false brothers, but also danger from my own people. Like from his own people, from the people he loved, he was in danger from them and from false brothers and from Roman guard. Three times he was shipwrecked, not once, not twice, three times shipwrecked. He'd been robbed, all these things he experienced, and yet he kept going on. He was able to compartmentalize. He was able to bring these things to the Lord. He was able to do what needed to be done through these emotions. And yet, I love this in Philippians, we see this in with the Apostle Paul, we see this full, we see this full range where he's able to push down and even ignore. To do all these things, it required you to ignore the fear. And that's what I'm talking about. There's a time and a place to bury fear, to act like it's not even there, just to put it away, to know that God is with you and just put it away and do what needs to be done. Just actually bury it. I'm talking about an ability just to push it away. Call it stoic if you want, but push it away and do what you need to do. And yet, here is Paul talking about Onesimus and Onesimus' pain. And here's what Paul was saying in Philippians chapter 2, verse 27 about Onesimus. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, but not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Sorrow is a feeling. It's something emotional that's happening inside of Paul. And even though he went through all he went through, if Onesimus was to die, It would have added sorrow upon sorrow, not just to the Philippian churches, but to the Apostle Paul. He would have sorrow upon sorrow. And so God was merciful. And I love that. Okay, so the Apostle Paul. Now let's think about Jesus for a moment. Uh, Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus obeyed his heavenly Father no matter what. He was always obeying everywhere he went. He obeyed his heavenly father. Through the difficulty, through the pain, he knew what to do with his inner life. And he ordered his affairs accordingly. He had the exact same full range of emotions that we had, yet he did what needed to be done. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, 
We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but with one who with every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, where are you at in your life right now, Pastor? In your emotional life. There is help in Christ to begin to master our feelings. There was a movement in the 90s, men's ministry in the 90s, you know a little bit about it, and there was a big movement then to share your feelings with everybody, to get a group of men and confess to everybody everything that you had done wrong, all your sin, and just put it out there for everybody to know, and it was called authenticity. Just be authentic. And I think that's translated into a society that shares everything online, into pastors who share everything online and just spill everything. And I think there's a time and a place to look at men and pastors and say, you need to keep that to yourself or just talk to one person about it. You need to get one person you can talk to. And brothers, I'm telling you, I'll be that one person. If you need somebody to talk to, I'll be that man for you. You got to find somebody. But you don't need to share it with everybody. We have to begin to master our emotions. In Galatians chapter 6, we're told that each man will have to carry his own load. And here's the deal, Pastor. You're going to have to carry things inside that nobody else is going to understand, that nobody else is going to feel. There's going to be other people. You're going to carry things and feel this emotional weight. Paul had anxiety for all of his churches. That's a part of pastoral ministry. But you have to know how to deal with them. And you have to get help to know how to deal with them. But you don't need to share with everybody everything that's going on in your emotional life. We need to rediscover the art of the mastery of our feelings. We need to know where to take them, when to express them, and at times when to bury them. And friends, there's help in Christ. Because Jesus is acquainted with our emotional life, we can draw near to him through drawing near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find help in the time of need. Pastor, right now, If you feel like you're on the edge and you can't go any further and you are in that category of burnout and you just don't know if you can keep going, I want you to run to the throne of grace. There is mercy and there is help for you. And then turn to me. Turn to a pastor in your church, another elder. Turn to somebody and get prayer. But by all means, master those emotions, master those feelings, and don't share them with the entire world. Friends, I hope this has been helpful to stir discussion. I hope this has been clarifying to the post last week. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.